The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There? <coughs> Record there. All right, let's go in three, two, one. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's it's painful. All right, everybody, welcome to Saints Happy Hour Podcast. This episode is free, courtesy of Bet Online, but you should become a patron and get the swag box, which is amazing. Get this podcast every day. We're the best Saints podcast anywhere, and this offseason is going to be crazy. You want this podcast every day. And oh, by the way, patrons, they got this podcast two days early. So just saying. So today, Andrew, we're going to do Saints awards you did a you did a post which ten dollar patrons can read where you gave out the saints awards for the year uh and it's Actually, always I, fun. I think I, I think i made that one public i think anybody can read that anybody one. can read that you get give you a little taste we're like a drug dealer right Andrew? we give them a taste we give them a right. taste and then we hook them and they have to pay um <laughs> so uh you know the awards i want to start we'll start with um we'll start with mvp um, I think it's pretty obvious that it's Alvin Kamara, but he was ridiculous this year. He got the big contract, delivered on it, was healthy, was able to stay healthy the entire year, sort of capped it off with a crescendo on Christmas with the six touchdowns. Um, but even if you take out the six touchdowns, he's, even if you give him like a regular three touchdown game, his season still would have been amazing touchdown wise. Um, he was killing it the first like four or five weeks where we were like, he's in discussion for offensive player of the year. That's sort of, he tapered off. So I feel like a lot of Saints fans, maybe because of how he started like supernova, we thought, Oh my God, he's going to be offensive player of the year. So maybe he cooled off and his season wasn't as great, but he was just remarkable the whole season through. But his first five games, he was like supernova. Yeah, no, I, I mean, th- this should be so obvious, and yet, yeah, he. So I go back to the gosh, what season was this? Uh, nineteen eighty nine, I think. Dalton Hilliard, you know, and he scored. He got yep. in the end zone eighteen times. He had eighteen touchdowns that year. Rushed for about 1,200 yards, and I, I kind of always viewed that. He caught a bunch of passes, too, and I kind of viewed that Threw a touchdown. As, a, as the best season ever by a Saints running back. I know, like, George Rogers had that 1,600 season, and he had the know, most man. rushing 2003 yards ever. 2003 Deuce with 1,600 Deuce, yards. Deuce had a couple yeah. of years, yeah, that were, were incredible, but – you know, I, I think Dalton Hilliard certainly was up there, and, and I think – his season was maybe more multiple, you know, just in terms of mm-hmm. he, hurt, he hurt you in different ways, kind of like Kamara does. 
And so, and, and by the way, the Saints haven't had a 1,000 yard rusher since I think Ingram in 2017. So it's been a yeah. few years. Yeah. You know, my only bummer about this year is that you know he got COVID and he didn't get to play in that last game, and that was a bummer because yeah. he was sitting at 9:32, and if he would have got a thousand. Well, if you saw how Ty Montgomery <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ripped, ripped the Ty. Panthers to shreds on the ground, <laughs> I, know, I mean, right. I can, Kamara might have had 300 yards rushing in that game. Yeah, so. might, he might have got to 1,100, much less right. 1,000. Exactly. So, you know, bummer there. But, yeah, I mean, look, he ran for 932, caught 83 passes. Uh, and I remember when Dalton Hilliard scored 18 touchdowns, that was a league high that year. And I remember thinking, like, no saint will ever top this. No, no saint will ever yeah. touch this. And and Kamara tied that record of 18 touchdowns his rookie year, I believe. Maybe mm-hmm. it was last year. But uh, this year he got 21 all-time Saints high single-season touchdowns scored. And uh, yeah, obviously the six on Christmas Day against the Vikings, like you said, kind of capped it all off. But really from start to finish, uh, Kamara was exceptional this year. You know, and – and I just think I love the way the Saints use him in in that I think, you know, look, running back is a, the most one of the most violent positions, so you can't you can't guarantee good health. That's just that's just part of football. But I think the fact that the Saints are diligent and don't use him 70 80 percent of the time and max him out like the Panthers have done with Christian McCaffrey and yeah they gave him a ton of carries in the playoff game and you know he had he had they should have probably run him more and they can lean on him heavy in certain games but they've always sort of watched his usage and I think that's really good for him I don't think it takes away from the Saints offense not being as good I think it helps extend him out where you're gonna get I think they could get two, three more prime years of him because they they monitor his usage, and he's not going to have one of these 250, 80-catch years where he's getting three, 325 touches. Like They're doing a great job of that, and I think that it makes his statistics even more impressive considering how the Saints monitor his usage. Yeah, so now, you know, as you move forward, you've got the – Offensive player of the year and Michael Thomas, who is my Saints MVP last year. And you've got Alvin Kamara, who's the recipient this year. And we look ahead at a future without Drew Brees. And I just think with Sean Payton as the offensive coordinator and these two guys as your primary playmakers, what quarterback wouldn't want to come to this offense? You know, And so I know that we're kind of all in on Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill right now. Like that's the focus. But I feel like this offense, depending on health, and you mentioned that, you they're set up to succeed for the next three to five years. And, yeah. you know, and it, could, thing, it could be a young quarterback coming into this offense and succeeding and, with that. And the thing is with – the thing that gives me – you know, this is an awards podcast, so we're looking back. We're not going to look too forward ahead. But the thing that gives me really tremendous amount of hope is we've seen Sean Payton win – games or have the Saints very competitive in games with Luke McCown, Teddy Bridgewater, and Taysom Hill. Like we like we have a track record with him where we we where if you told me Jameis Winston is gonna be the eleventh best quarterback in the NFL in twenty twenty one, I would say the Saints are going ten and six. 
with a couple of breaks. Like, we know that Sean Payton, his offense can succeed with different guys, so it makes the future bright, like you talk about with all these skill position players, which brings me to a good segue. Your offensive player of the year, Teron Armstead, he's another guy. He's not exactly as young as Michael Thomas or Kamara, but he's only 29, right? So he's another guy that, like, he's got some time left, but he, Andrew, at the end of the year, he looked like... This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best offensive lineman in football, I would say maybe the last two weeks, Armstead was, there was nobody playing football better than him. And I'm talking Mahomes. I'm talking um, Josh Allen. I'm talking anybody as far as like doing your position of whatever position you play in football, Teron Armstead was literally blocking dudes into the stands. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. The last thing I just want to say, Ralph, real quick about Kamara, last parting thought, is that if you went with a Mount Rushmore of single single game performances, that six-touchdown performance against the Vikings on Christmas Day, I mean, I've been watching the Saints for a really long time. Yeah, I've read a lot of history before then, and Breeze – throwing the seven touchdowns against the Giants, like that's the only other thing I can think of that comes yeah. close. You know, it's not, I, I, mean, I would say those two are the top two ever single And game. I mean, you could – I think the Saints, if you put Mount Rushmore single-game performances, I think Kamara Christmas Day, uh, Breeze seven touchdowns, yep. Aaron Brooks in the playoff game because he was throwing to like – Joe Horn got hurt and he was throwing touchdown passes to Willie Jackson and Robert Wilson, right? I'll allow it. And you got a fourth one. Can you you could maybe go Breeze Monday night against the Patriots or Breeze for the Super Bowl? But I mean, it's cl- yeah. clearly Camara. It's on around Mount Rushmore, and I don't George know. George Rogers had a game in I want to say in the early '80s that he ran for over 200 yards. Yeah, that, that's Ruben Mays did too. Yeah, um, but I'm saying the Camara game. That one's gonna stay on there, like that one. And the Breeze seven touchdown game versus the Giants, like those are on there, and I don't Forever. know what you would have to have to bump those off. Like the, the the Christmas Day game will live forever, and that's it's it's just you know I know we talk about championships and that sort of thing, but the older I get, I realize that like only one team wins the Super Bowl. 
all these these seasons that you have when you win, it's all about like memories that you have, and to have Kamara get a six touchdown game on freaking Christmas is just it's going to live forever, and it was great. Yep. So back to Armstead, uh, you know, believe it or not, uh, this is the first award I've ever given. I've been doing these awards since 2009, so for a long time now. And uh, this is the first time Armstead, Armstead has won one. Uh, so, yeah, I, I said this before, but I know it seems ridiculous that Kamara would be MVP and not Offensive Player of the Year, but I, I never give the yeah. MVP a second award, and that's just because I want to – award more Saints players. You know, I want to yeah. celebrate more you guys. Spread that's, the fun, right? I want to spread the fun. Yep. So that that's the only reason for it. I know I know you have some purists out there that are like, how could Kamara not be offensive player of the year? Well, yeah, you know, that's how I structure it. I'm sorry. Could but, there uh, ever be could there ever be a guy what would it could would there ever have a have a season where you could like break your rule? Like no, it would be No. No. <laughs> because I, I didn't do it for Michael Thomas last year. So oh yeah. So if you can't when do it am for I Michael ever, Th- Yeah, when am I ever going to do it? So uh but anyway, I, you know, last year by the way, uh, it was Ramchek who was offensive player of the year. I gave Michael Thomas MVP in race. So this is the second year in a row that the offensive player of the year is an offensive tackle. Um and you know, with Armstead, you 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 mentioned it. I think there were two games late in the year. There was the Christmas Day game against the Vikings and then uh, the, the last Panthers game. He also played really, really well at Detroit and at Tampa. Th- those yeah. were, you know, from a grading perspective, those were his highest scores. But he was really doing it all season. And, uh, you yeah. know, what more can you say? Armstead is the complete package, man. He's fast. He's strong. He's great in the locker room. Great teammate. Fun. Like, he – there's nothing about Armstead that – you can't say a bad thing about him. I can still remember. I can still remember in 2013. They had Charles Brown. They went to the Ram. They played the. They played the Rams, right? And Charles Brown was fucking terrible, and Sean Payton was like, "I have seen enough," and we were like, "My God, we get why you're benching Charles Brown, but you're putting Teron Armstead in. He's never played. He's a rookie. He's never played like, like we're we're scared." And I remember after the first game, you were like. He's fine. He's going to be the Saints tackle for a decade. Like, he struggled a little bit, but, like, he's got all the physical skill. He's going to be the Saints tackle for a decade if he's healthy. And and that, that just sticks in my mind that, like, they dropped him in, and he's been the left tackle, no question, for going on a decade now. I got a funny story, actually. So... You, you, you remember Chris Long. I actually booked his, his wedding band. Uh, but uh, Chris Long, former NFL player, he lit. So when I used to work, uh, I we actually, until COVID, we, we worked in the same office building. But he used to own the penthouse suite upstairs uh, in our office building. So I, during the off season, like in the summer, I would see Chris Long constantly. And because I booked his wedding band, he knew I was and he knew – I was a big Saints fan. And so every time he saw me, you know, he, he would bring up the Saints and just be like, hey, how are your boys looking this year? You know, very, very friendly, nice guy. And, uh, you know, I remember running into him that offseason. And he, he, he had played a preseason game and I think a regular season game against Charles Brown. And I think both times he had like three sacks. I mean, completely owned Charles Brown, embarrassed him. And he was telling me how bad he is and just like, you guys need to find someone else because that guy sucks. And so 
that offseason, who was the guy that the Saints, he was a bust that they got from the Rams, who was an yeah, old I teammate him of number Chris two. Yeah, what was that guy's name? I can't remember his name. All right, well, anyway, so he's like, what's your situation at tackle this year? And I'm like, well, we have Charles Brown back. Then we have your old teammate, that guy who's a bust. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, and then we have this this rookie from Arkansas Pine Bluff, a third-round pick named Teron Armstead. And he just kind of looks at me and gives me this look like he just drank, you know, like he just ate a lemon. You know, he just gives like a sour look on his face. And he's just like, better hope the draft pick's good. <laughs> he's just basically Jason like telling Smith. me like. That was the guy. Jason, Jason. Smith. That's yep. it. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, I play with Jason. He's a good guy. He's like, maybe, maybe he can turn his career around, but he's like, you better hope this draft pick is good. And the draft pick was Teron Armstead. It turned out pretty good. <laughs> it was. Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And the good thing about Armstead is, like, he, you know, the knock on him was he was always hurt, but he's made a commitment the last, I forget either it was last year or maybe it was going into 2018 where he's like, I've changed what I'm doing. I'm tired of getting hurt. I've changed my off season routine. I'm doing more. I think he was doing yoga or stretching or something. He's like, I want to, I want to be healthy for 16 games. I, 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 what I was doing wasn't working and he's been relatively healthy since then. I mean, this year, the only reason he missed games is because he got the Rona. So like, if the Saints want to make a commitment to him, Andrew, I'm perfect. Like, if they want to say, hey, you know, because he's got one year left. If they're, if the Saints are like, hey, we want to give him a three, four-year deal to help our cap and make a commitment to him, I'm fine with it. Like, giving him an extension and keeping he, wanting to keep him is fine. Because let me tell you something. If the, if he plays out with that contract for this year and he, goes, and he hits the free agent market again next year, he will get a ridiculous amount of – money even though he'll be 30 you know why because offensive lines in the nfl suck and teams are desperate for offensive tackle and he's the best one. Oh, he'll get paid absurd amounts of money if he's on the free agent market for sure but yeah anyway fantastic season from armstead and uh it feels good to put him on this list because like i said I've never given him an award before and i i just he he's like a lifetime achievement award kind yeah. of player too well, now we go to Defensive Player of the Year. Pay that man his money. My boy, David Onyemata, getting your Defensive Player of the Year. I love it. But he was he was fantastic all year. Well, I know you're president of the fan club. I am. So I figured you'd be happy about that. Uh, I don't think it comes as a big surprise, honestly. Uh, and I talked about in the Player Grades podcast some numbers but when you talk about his production, it really jumps off the page. I mean, career high in tackles, 44 tackles. That's that's a lot for a defensive tackle. Six and a half sacks, which for an interior player is, is very good. Um, but, you know, it's not just about the sacks with him. Like, it's 10 tackles for a loss. His previous career high was four in a season. So that's that's more than double 
what he's ever done in the backfield. 16 QB hits. 11 was his previous. And I just want to point out that year that Vic Beasley that we always talk about, that year he had 15 and a half sacks, he had 16 QB hits. So Onyemata had as many QB hits as Vic Beasley that year he had 15 and a half sacks. He was an absolute terror all season on the interior. And he's gotten so much better. I think if the Saints knew that he was going to have this kind of production going into the season, he would have gotten a much bigger deal. He would have got well. He would have got him. He, he probably wouldn't be a saint because other teams would have been like, "We will pay you four years, fifty-five million dollars on Yamada." But I'm te- I'm telling you this too about him. I know it was amazing, and I know you look at it as a career year, and possibly it does. But I still think about it as like he just picked up football in college. Like he never played football before, and he's like, "I'm just gonna play football because I'm bored." So like I still think you got Ryan Nielsen coming back, a great defensive line coach. I still think there's potential that, like Onyemata, he might have some, still in some some growth in there. Like he might be, he we he might have one more level that he can get to. Which if if he gets to that, then you have Onyemata, Cam Jordan gets reinvigorated. Then you have cornerstones on the defensive line where you can plug other guys in, like Granderson and stuff, and you can maybe get another. Uh, unicorn season like Hendrickson where where a random dude just pops up and gets 10 plus sacks because everybody's worried about Onyemata and Cam Jordan so I'm I'm ex- not just because I'm the well mostly it's because I'm the president of the David Onyemata fan club but Andrew I think there's maybe a little bit more that he can get like he might he might have some growth potential like with, with Michael Thomas you look at last year he ain't never doing that again like 150 catches all that like that's as good as he's gonna ever be he'll still be really really great but he's never giving you that again like Onyemata, I think he could get you eight to ten sacks, maybe. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's totally possible. I agree, and uh, you know, like I said on the Grades podcast, I think right now he's a top ten player at his position in the league. I mean, you've got Aaron Donald, who probably stands on his own, right? And then you've got Chris Jones, who, who's obviously tremendous, and uh, I don't know that he's necessarily on that level. But then, like, who you got after that? DeForest Buckner, Cameron Hayward, you know, and, yeah. and David Onyemata. Like, getting that, old, so. Yeah, I mean, that that's probably my top five right there. I don't know that there's any other defensive tackle in the league besides those four guys that I would list ahead of Onyemata right now. And he, he's yeah. that good. Yeah. So special teams player of the year, this was kind of – this was kind of a weak year for Saints special teams. Is that fair? Like, they really sort of declined, especially the second half of the year. They all, Deontay Harris sort of gave him a jolt in the playoffs with the returns. But it was kind of a struggle, and Will Lutz was really shaky at the end of the year. But he got your special teams player of the year. Yeah, he did. And, you know, I, I agree with what you said. I, I think special teams was pretty disappointing this year overall. I, I think Morstead obviously was – just had a brutal year. Um, I mean, there's really no other way to put it with him. Uh, it, the re- worst year of his career, arguably. Um, and then, you know, the return game, there's just so many injuries. You know, they had moments. I actually thought Tommy Lee Lewis filled in pretty nicely. Uh, Callaway had some nice moments, and Deontay did too. Uh, but the return was never a consistent thing because they were shuffling guys in and out. And then, you know, Justin Hardy was out for a while. Um, so... You know, the only other guy that was really in the mix for me was JT Gray. You know, that that's another guy that was a candidate. Uh, I ended up going with Lutz because Lutz really, you know, we almost forget 
the run that he had early in the season. I mean, more than yeah. halfway through the season, the dude was had missed one kick all year. Yeah, he yeah. was on fire, and, and it's really it's really just like a five game stretch at the end where he got and cold. I, and I know like this ages me, especially and probably you a little bit, but like in my lifetime, nothing maybe in sports has improved as much as NFL kicking. Like when I was a kid or even 10 years ago, if you made 70 plus percent of your kicks, your employment was solid. Like if you, teams would be like, he makes 70% of his kicks. He's solid. Now, if you don't make basically a hundred percent inside of 40, like they're going to cut, they're going to cut you or think about cutting you. Will Lutz, he went through a stretch where he was just like a little bitty stretch where he was like three of seven. Saints are like bringing in Blair Walsh and he's kicking this. You know, we're just going to take a look. Like kickers, like it's teams demand such a high level of it that it is remarkable how much they demand perfection of kickers over, especially like the last four to five years to me. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, uh, and the Saints have a good one. You know, look, yeah. Lutz had a rough stretch there, but he stepped up in the playoff game. I thought he kicked well against um, against the Bucks, and you know, it's. Uh, I know that he probably hit a stretch there. Really, it was when he lost his footing on that kick. You know, and it mm-hmm. seemed like he got he San Francisco. He went in the tent, he the tent I, came out. They said he was okay, but that's the point where like you don't know if he tweaked something there. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, he he did enough to. To get the award, this is actually the third year in a row he's won uh, Special Teams Player of the Year for the Saints. Right. So. so Rookie of the Year was interesting in that the Saints draft class, Cesar Ruiz struggled. Um, you know, uh, Zach, Zach Bond, Bond didn't, didn't play. Yeah. Really play that much, right? Adam Troutman, he has moments. I'm very excited for him for the future, but the winner was – Marquez Callaway, and it's a shame. I think it's a shame that he got hurt because he, he's a guy like he really, really would have helped them down. The, like I think if he would have been completely healthy, like against the Bucks and against like he was, he was really good in stretches. And his future, I think is, I think his future is really, really bright. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you know, Ruiz and Troutman. I thought they both had moments, and I think a lot of people would maybe say, no, you should give it to Troutman. He's so solid. And I do think Troutman impressed, especially as a blocker. But this decision for me was actually a lot easier than uh, some people might think. And the reason I look at Callaway and why he stood out is he really contributed in a few games that were super meaningful. And I, I don't know, Troutman had solid plays here and there, but like, I don't know that Troutman, you'd ever look at him and be like, man, he was huge in that game. Or Cesar mm-hmm. Ruiz, man, he was huge. Like they had moments, but like, there, I mean, there was that one game where he was a gunner. And I just want to say he, he wore a lot of different hats for the Saints. As a gunner, he recovers two fumbles against the 49ers. Uh, you know, when the whole receiving crew was out, remember he caught like seven passes for 80 yards against the Carolina Panthers the first time the Saints played him. So he had a game where he really came out as a receiver and teamed up with Breeze to put up a tremendous stat line. And then there was a game where he filled in for Deontay Harris and uh, really tore it up as a return man. So he, he's had nice moments as a blocker, as a gunner, as a receiver, as a return man. So like he, he really uh, wore a lot of different hats for the Saints this year and was successful 
in a lot of different areas. And, you know, so he may have been undrafted, but to me, he was the, the most impactful rookie this year. The Saints 2020 season is over, but this offseason is going to be the biggest, craziest Saints offseason since 2006. Hell, it might be the craziest offseason the Saints have ever had. And you're going to want Saints breaking news. And guess what? The Saints happy hour, we deliver breaking news podcast every time something happens with the Saints. And you're going to need your Saints fix. You're going to want to know what's going on and we deliver it for you. Become a patron for 10 bucks. You get the best swag box. Four swag items. Amazing. You get access to the Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7 in a private chat. And you get access to this podcast ad-free every single day. No ads ever. You need the Saints Happy Hour podcast during the Saints offseason, so do it. Go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up today at saintshappyhour.com. It's going to be interesting to see how he and Traquan Smith and the young receiver develop going into next year with a new quarterback. Uh, most improved, that was easy. Uh, I like that you picked, when you on your on your article on Patreon, you picked the gif of Trey Hendrickson after having the back-to-back sacks against Tampa when the Saints crushed them in Tampa. Um, he was just tremendous. And, you know, we said it uh, in week one after he crushed Tampa and, and Bruce Arians, like, we couldn't even block their worst pass rusher. Um, but this Trey Hendrickson ascension, it really started in the playoff game last year where – he was amazing. Minnesota had offensive line issues, but Trey Hendrickson, you were like, that's the best game he's ever played. And it just yeah. carried over to this year. And he was yeah. amazing all freaking year. And he's not going to be a saint probably. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, but goddamn, he was good. Yeah, his sack total says it all, right? So, you know, it's so funny, Ralph, how we came – to experience this Trey Hendrickson season because it was one of those things where it required, first of all, the injury to Davenport where he was unavailable for a while. And it required a failed trade attempt to Jadavion Clowney. Uh, And, you know, the saints tried really hard to make sure Hendrickson didn't see the field as much as he did. (laughs) And it was almost kind of de facto reluctantly like, well, we failed on Clowney and Davenport's out. So we have to start Hendrickson. We, we got to see what he's got. And by the time Davenport came back, Hendrickson remained the starter, you know, and it was yeah. like Davenport was coming in as a sub rusher, but it was like, no, it's, he's our guy. And uh, it reminds me a lot of when Will Smith went down with an injury in junior Gallette. And, and again, forget the off the field stuff with Gallette, but you know, it was kind of like he wasn't supposed to play this much and Gallette wasn't supposed to play as much the year he became a double digit sack guy. But it was just one of those things where yeah. he stepped in and made the most of his opportunity. And so it does remind me a little bit of Gallette that way. Uh, and, and now he's going to get paid. And unfortunately, I, I think he's going to price himself out of New Orleans. But uh, what a tremendous improvement for him. And he's completely changed and transformed the arc of his career now. You know, now he's he's going to be a rich NFL player somewhere and a starter somewhere. And I think it's possible that he can replicate this season. I do. We'll see. I, as long as he doesn't go in the <clears> – <throat> as long as it's not in the South, as long as it's not for Carolina or Atlanta, I can re- I can cheer for you even in the NFC, Trey Hendrickson, if you go somewhere in the NFC. 
but I cannot. We cannot cheer for you if you're in the NFC South. So I mean, I, I worry. I'm glad the Falcons have cap problems because I tell you what, they desperately need a pass rusher, and I, I just could see Fontenot. I could see that. I could see Atlanta. I could see Atlanta figuring out their cap. I mean, teams if they really want to do something, they can always figure out what, figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Atlanta's but, definitely one to watch, and like I said, the Detroit Lions. You know, Aaron Glenn's would love to have Hendrickson yeah. on his defense. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how. I, I'm interested to see where Hendrickson goes because I'm interested to see how he does when he's the guy that every team is like, we got to block him. He's the guy. So it'll be interesting. So. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Uh, 
final one is comeback player of the year. This is the only one I really disagreed with you on. Uh, you made it Malcolm Jenkins. I would have given it to, I know he didn't play a ton, but I would have given it to Patrick Robinson. I thought he had a really, really nice bounce back year for the Saints, and he did some things in some key spots. Um, I would have given it to Patrick Robinson, but you gave it to Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah, you know, the thing about Mal- uh, Patrick Robinson is his year last year was pretty similar. Yeah. And that he he didn't play much, but when he did, he came in and he played pretty well for the Saints last year. It was kind of, I remember he had that mm-hmm. one game. I think it was against was it against Jacksonville. It was against someone, but uh, he came in and out of nowhere, like had a key breakup yeah. and was had key moments in that game. And we we're like, wow, I'm glad he's still on the team because he played really well. So I don't know that he it was a comeback year for Patrick Robinson. I thought his year was pretty similar to last year, but. You know, normally I give this to a guy that's injured and the year before and then comes back and plays great. So, you know, Rankins maybe would have been an option, although Rankins didn't play that well. But usually it's a guy that was like out for a year with the ACL or something and then comes back and plays well. So this one's a little unique in the sense that it's not that Malcolm Jenkins has been injured or bad. It's just he was on another team. Um, but... I do think the deck was kind of stacked against him a little bit in the sense that, first of all, like the Eagles got rid of him because he was old, right? And then mm-hmm. he comes to the Saints, he replaces Von Bell, and right there at the beginning of the offseason, there's this divide centered around Drew Brees, but obviously he gets That feels on like the, a thousand air. years ago. Yeah, it does. But, you know, he goes on, <laughs> on Instagram Finance. and tells Brees to shut the fuck up publicly. Uh, then he takes the job at CNN before the season, which, you know, a lot of fans viewed as a distraction. So like, I I really think a lot of fans were chomping at the bit to kind of blast Malcolm Jenkins. They, they were watching Mm -hmm. any opportunity to throw him under the bus. And, uh, and you know, actually it started a little wonky too with, uh, Darren Waller and that, that's not wonky, Andrew, that was fucking horrible. Horrible, yeah, fair. But uh, but he ends up having just an absolutely tremendous season, and it was great to have him back. Uh, I'm excited to have him next year. You know, I I, I I think the Saints have to do anything they can to keep him, and so like it's it's not just what he brings to the locker room. Like I thought his play was outstanding. Yeah, I but I think you made a great point in your grades in that, you know, you. This is another reason why you should become a patron is, you know, Andrew, when the Saints sign a free agent, he goes back and he looks at all their games from the year before because they had he has a way to look to to look at the film uh, of of every play from a player. And the thing is, he looked you looked at Malcolm Jenkins and you were like, Ralph, he did this. He he struggled a little bit on, on a lot of things for Philadelphia, but he did this one thing where like played near the line of scrimmage and he went against tight ends and he was really good. And if the saints use him that way, I think he can be pretty good and a serviceable player. He did that exact thing. And he was amazing following the disaster against the Raiders. Like he was amazing versus tight ends from that point forward. Yeah. I don't always get it right, but I, I do feel like I nailed that one. I feel like I nailed like exactly how the saints should use him for him to be successful that's exactly how the Saints used him, and it and it was successful. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the rare times where I scout well, someone and, and and find their fit, and 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 it fits exactly that way. But, you know, I, I I just think with Malcolm Jenkins, you know, 
the thing that's a little surprising at his age is that this version of Michael of Malcolm Jenkins that we had this year far better than any version of Malcolm Jenkins in a Saints uniform ever. You know, and and when he was younger, like he just wasn't this good. And he went to Philadelphia and he was a great player for a long time there. He was a key component to a Super Bowl winning defense. So like he 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 was a superstar player for the Eagles, but he has never been this good for the Saints. And by and, the way, I know I know some Eagles fans. He and this is this is going to sound crazy, but it's absolutely true. Like he's almost as beloved as Nick Foles, and they got a fucking statue of Nick Foles outside their stadium. Like when Eagles fans, when they think of winning the Super Bowl, like Malcolm, you know, Malcolm Jenkins is like, you know, when we think of the Saints in two thousand nine, we think of Drew, we think of Tracy Porter, we think of, uh, you know, Ambush, we think of these certain moments. Philadelphia fans, like they think of Malcolm Jenkins as like a key component of their one Super Bowl, and he is freaking beloved by Eagles fans, which is weird. Eagles fans well, they that, usually hate. That's really funny too, because I know Malcolm Jenkins loves playing for the Saints way more than he liked playing for the Eagles. I know that, like, I mean, you know, he, he obviously has a connection to the city, and and he has good memories there. But from everything I've heard. Jenkins like wanted to try to get back to New Orleans sooner. Like he wanted out of Philadelphia. He loved playing for the Saints. He wanted to come back desperately when he was a free agent. And it's like it's it's funny to me. Like they they love him, but Jenkins loves New Orleans. That's yeah. all I can the tell. The one you. thing too I'll say about um the Jenkins Jenkins signing and how the Saints use him. It really should it gives me hope and it and should give make Saints fans feel confident and like the thing is, the Saints, they've had Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator. He's been defensive coordinator since the end of 2015. The Saints, I know they lose Fontenot, and they're going to lose coaches, but they have a stability, I feel like, of on offense and defense, and it allows them, to me, to people in the building that if they promote them, hopefully, and, and they, they, they do evaluations, they are going to – they understand – what Dennis Allen wants, what Sean Payton wants, what they, what players work well, and it's because they have this stability. And I know it's corporate speak and synergy and all that bullshit. But when you have the same people in place for three, four, five, six years, you run the same system, and everybody knows. Okay, this is what this is the kind of player we need, and you're not changing the fucking systems every three years because you're firing a coach or you're firing a coordinator and you're groping around in the dark and you got players that don't fit. And I think. The, the the Jenkins signing gives me hope that the Saints, even though they're strapped against the cap, they're still going to be able to plug holes and they'll find dudes that are that are on the cheap or whatever that'll fit and do things and have success in their system. And Malcolm Jenkins is a perfect example of it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's well said about Jenkins. I thought he had a tremendous season, um, but you're right. I, look, there's a, there's going to be some holes. We're going to talk about this a lot. There's holes in the roster. There's holes in the staff. And they're going to have to fill them. And if you do it recklessly, uh, that's how you quickly get left with Joe Vitt and Rob Ryan and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, who are those other guys that they thought were valuable but really weren't? Um, yeah. Bill Johnson and uh, who was that interim coach? At Cromer. Cromer, yeah. So, like, yeah. all those guys, you know, they're just like – you thought they were valuable, but those really ended up being the guys that weren't that special to your staff. And so they've got to replace Dan Campbell. They've got to replace Aaron Glenn. They've got to replace Fontenot. These are major pieces that made this organization successful. 
And if you replace them recklessly, you will fall behind. Yeah, my last thing before we get out of here is I just – yes, you can hire an old coach every once in a while. It'll be his last job, and he's still great. But my thing is for, like, assistant position coaches, I, I, nev- I always worry when the Saints are hiring somebody and you, you're like, this is going to be that dude's last job. He's, like, 63 – and you're like, this will be, this is it for that dude. I will always want like position coaches. I want the Aaron Glens. I want the Ryan Nielsen's. I want the guys that like, in two to three years they could be leaving because those are the guys that are on the cutting edge of innovation, are pushing themselves, and it's not their final job, and they aren't stuck in their ways necessarily. So I hope when when Sean Payton fills these positions, I hope it's a bunch of dudes that we've never fucking heard of. Like you know what I'm saying? That's totally. You know. Like I, I don't want agree. I don't want some retread guy like Vic like uh like uh, uh who's the guy Chuck Pagano. Peace? Oh yeah, okay. I, I don't want Chuck Pagano coming in and coaching secondary. Like I want a guy that I've never fucking heard of that's like that's like 31. That's what well, I want. Well, it's like but. the Falcons just brought their defensive coordinator out of retirement, right? Peas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want a guy like that. But no, I hear you. I, I you want an innovative young mind. I mean Aaron Glenn, you want to find the next Aaron Glenn. Like that was yeah. they brought him in as a young corner and the, you know that just retired from the league and he was young and it's the thing like a lot of times these young coaches that are hard working, they're eager showing up to work every day. They're not jaded by being in the league for a long time as a coach and you know, a lot of times you look at a guy like Aaron Glenn, I, I just think he speaks the language of the players, you know, and it's just yeah. he relates to them in a way that. Well, look at him. He, Malcolm Jenkins, he hated playing quarters, a quarters coverage his whole career. And Aaron Glenn was like, no, no, dude, do it this way, play it this way, and you can be awesome at it. And Malcolm Jenkins is like, no, I love that shit. Like, he, he finally explained it to me in a way that I could understand and put on the field. And, like, that's the kind of coach you need that can connect with a veteran guy like Malcolm Jenkins. It's probably be like, I want a fucking, I want two Super Bowls, dude. Don't tell me what I'm good at, what I can do. But like Aaron Glenn was able to convince him to do something that he didn't think he was good at. And he became good at it. Like that's, that's the definition of what you want for a position coach. Yeah, that's big time. Yep, absolutely. But yeah, anyway, appreciate you guys listening to this podcast and, you know, it's been a great year for the Saints in some ways, certainly in the regular season, but happy to celebrate some of these guys. Certainly uh, the Saints had some guys that had tremendous seasons, and certainly, uh, yeah. you know, look, Hendrickson, Malcolm Jenkins, David Onyemata, I think all three of those guys on defense, very deserving of an award. Uh, Armstead, Kamara also, you know, yeah, there, there's a couple guys in there. I mean, Breeze deserves like a career achievement award obviously and Ramchek had a good year so th- there's some guys we didn't mention here uh demario davis had a good season um but uh you know look there's a lot of guys the saints are lucky to have so much talent on their roster yeah and listen guys uh if you are a patron get yourself in the discord channel the discord channel was awesome this whole year it stayed awesome as we head to the off season so um you should get in the Discord channel. And if you're not a patron, become a patron and you get access to the Discord channel no matter what level you decide to become a patron at. It's it's for every patron. We're talking Saints in there 24-7. You don't have to deal with the bullshit of social media. Uh, and it's private. So anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting us. And we will see you again tomorrow. <laughs>